Male and female, he made them. And he wanted Adam to realize that she was bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, taken from his side of the identical substance so that there would be no confusion that this woman and this man were both made in the image of God with the Spirit of God having the nature of God in terms of personality. And we're told that God began a relationship with them that was characterized by communication. In fact, if we go over to Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, unfortunately, this 8th verse follows the tragic story of the rejection of Adam and Eve of the will and plan of God. But it gives us some insight into what was happening in the garden. In Genesis 3.8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate of it. The sad, tragic events of the fall of man, but the insight that God came walking through the garden in the cool of the day, and that Adam and Eve were accustomed to that experience. They recognized the sound. This is God coming for a stroll. And they, on this occasion, hid because their relationship had been disrupted by their rebellion. I want us to recognize right at the beginning this morning, that God, it is obvious from Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, that God created human beings to have fellowship with Him. If we understand our doctrine, our theology correctly, God is self-sufficient and self-sustaining. That means He doesn't need us. But it also makes, from my perspective, the reality more special that though He does not need us, He wants us. That He wants to have fellowship with men and women. And He made us in His image, sharing His likeness, having personality and and thoughtfulness, and the capacity to make decisions, and the sense of emotion, because God is like that. And He wanted to have interaction with people that could feel with Him, and think with Him, and choose with Him, and walk with Him in a freedom of relationship that was reciprocal. God longs to have fellowship with people. And then we find, tragically, 
that in this third chapter of Genesis, that fellowship was broken by sin. But 2 Corinthians 5.17, and I'm on 1C now, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that God was in Jesus Christ reconciling the world back to himself. What, what is the point of that? What does this reconciliation mean? It means that he was restoring what was lost. So that in Christ we might become a new creation. Romans 5.1 tells us that we have obtained peace with God through faith. And that God has himself, through Christ, taken away the barrier that separated us so that we could come back home. So that relationship could be restored. God's whole goal in Christ was to bring us back to his side. So that the sin that separated us would be paid. And the relationship would be restored. A.W. Tozer was at one time the editor of the Alliance Weekly. He's with the Lord now, but he was a great uh, great spokesman, great writer about relationship with God. And as, when he was the editor of the Alliance Weekly, he would write a weekly column. They were like Tozer's devotionals. And they collected those columns and published them in various anthologies and gave them titles and one series of his writings was titled, God Tells the Man Who Cares. And the thesis of his devotional thoughts in that book has to do with the reality that God is still looking for people that will listen to him. And if he finds someone who will listen who cares about what God cares about, that God will talk to that person, that he will reveal his heart. In other words, that he tells the man who cares. And I want to present to you this morning the biblical truth that it is possible to be a friend of God. And I want to also suggest that it is possible to be a child of God and not to have friendship with Him. And by that I mean God will welcome all who come to Him. If any man comes to Jesus Christ, He will in no wise cast him out. That He offers salvation to everyone who will by faith believe that Jesus has died for His sin. That Anyone who repents of their sin and turns to Christ and comes to God and by faith receives the forgiveness that Jesus has offered Christ into their lives, that person will be born again a living child of God. But many times God's children never grow up into a mature relationship with Him. You know, when your children are small, they don't even think about 
listening to their parents. <laughs> Not even when their parents are telling them what to do. Uh, you know, they, they, you have to train your children. You have to nurture them and teach them and bring them to maturity. It's not until they grow up that friendship can begin to develop where you can begin to relate to your children as to another human being an adult that has their own thoughts and their own ideas. But now, if friendship develops, it's because they're willing to recognize that you have a heart and you have ideas and you have desires. And perhaps for the first time, they're paying attention. Like, oh, that's not just mom. That's a woman with goals. And personality and interest. And gee, I'd like to get to know her as a person. Usually children have to be older before they kind of connect into that. And I'm suggesting to you this morning that God has many children who have come to Him by faith. But He offers an invitation of friendship to those who will draw near to Him and take His interest to heart. Friendship with God, in many ways, is like friendship with anyone else. Think about what is the basis of friendship. Mutual love, respect, and shared interest. It's hard to be friends with somebody that doesn't care anything about the things you care about, isn't it? I mean, you know, they might be interesting people and you might have uh, some neat conversation, but you can't build a friendship with a person who doesn't care about anything in your world and you have no interest in anything in their world. Friendship has to do with people that share common interest. That, that you, you say, I, I care about what you're interested in. I care about your life. I'm kind of, I want to know what's going on with you. It's often characterized by conversation around those interests. So that you share heart things. I'm, I'm not talking about hobbies and habits. and pra I'm talking about matters of the heart. With friends, you share matters of the heart. The things that really are important to you. You could be worlds apart in terms of occupation and training and, and, and uh, vocation and life. But there has to be a connection of the heart, you know, that's, that says we're on the same page with our life's dreams for the meaning of, of, of living. We want the same kinds of goals. And so in a friendship, there's that honest sharing one heart to the other. There's also active listening. Do any of you, I mean, we use the term friends loosely. Do any of you have friends that do all the talking? And uh, you don't ever hardly get a word in edgewise. It's hard to describe that as a mutual friendship, isn't it? <laughs> in fact, uh, we tend to call those people after a while bores because they're all about themselves and they're always talking about themselves and 
And they don't really care about what's going on with you. They want to talk about what's going on with them. And and there's no reciprocity. It's hard to, to build a friendship with someone that doesn't care about what you have to say. And friends, it's hard for God to have friendship with a person who doesn't care about what he has to say. I've suggested in my outline that friendship includes active listening. By active listening, I'm separating that from just ordinary listening or passive listening. You know what most people do when they're listening? They've stopped running this so that they can think about what they want to say next when you stop talking. They're they're always one step ahead in the conversation when they get to talk again. They're just looking for the microphone. A lot of relationships are like that. There's no active listening going on. There's just wait for my turn to jump in again. Active listening means when I stop talking, I open my ears, I stop thinking about my next response, and I'm listening to yours. I'm interested in what you have to say. I want to hear your heart. And someone who's really tuned into you, that's really listening to you, then that makes you want to share with them. This person cares about what I think. They're interested in what I have to say. I I, I feel free to say that. And if it's a relationship based on trust where you know they're not going to take what I say and belittle it or tease me about it or talk about it, but they're going to value what I share, then you say, oh, I can, I can share my heart with this person. And if they feel that way about you, a good friendship develops. And friends, I'm suggesting to you this morning that God is interested in having that kind of relationship. He wants people that will listen to Him. That are tuned into His heart. What are His goals? What does He want to do? How does He feel about a subject? What is His perspective? Do we have that kind of relationship with God? Friendships are strengthened by valuing each other's goals. Do you value this morning God's goals? Do you know what they are? We have some general idea of His goals. Jesus made His goal pretty plain. He said, I came to seek and save what was lost. So I know what Jesus' goal is. I can read Revelation and understand what God's goal for history is, where He's wanting to go. But what is his goal for McHenry? What is his goal for this church? What is his goal for your life? What is God's goal through you in your work environment? What does God want to do? Do you know? He has goals. He has things he wants to accomplish. How does he feel about certain things? 
Have you asked him? God has feelings. We know that because he can be grieved and he can be so happy he sings. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God in the midst of you is rejoicing over you with singing. I'd say it's pretty happy. And yet we can grieve the Holy Spirit. So God has feelings. Do you know how he feels about things? If you have a good friend with whom you've had intimate conversation, you know how they feel. Do you have people you're close enough to that the minute they walk in the door, you can read them? You know if they've had a good day or a bad day. You know if they're feeling good or bad. You know if they're disturbed or if they're happy. Just just by like the first millisecond, you just take a look and you know. Do you have people in your life that you know that well? God has those kinds of feelings too. When we connect with Him, do we know how He feels? Do we know His heart? Now, lest you think that this whole concept of being friends with God is just some fantasy I've made up. Okay, there is a danger (laughs) of that. Maybe Martin is just fantasizing. Because this is not a view of God that many people have. It's not a view of God, for example, that the Roman Catholic Church portrays. Their view of God is someone who is very distant. In fact, their view of Jesus is someone who is very distant. That they need help to even get up to heaven. And they need intermediaries. Because God is, is way out there and we can't touch Him. People who are very strong in their theology of the sovereignty and majesty of God. I'm not, I'm not dissing that at all. But sometimes they have a hard time holding the personal intimacy of God and His closeness and His subjective communion, they have a hard time holding that in the same view of His awesome sovereignty and majesty and glory. And so He is a God to be feared. And the Scripture talks about the fear of the Lord, but it's talking about respect. And I can have respect for God without being afraid of Him. Otherwise, the Scripture would not say, come boldly before the throne of grace and make your requests known. I'm invited. Come boldly to my throne. He is the one that tore the veil of the temple in two from the top to the bottom. He is the one that opened the way to the Holy of Holies. And the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus has created for us a new and living way through the veil that is His own flesh that was torn asunder for you and for me that we could have direct access into the Holy of Holies of God. Come in and talk to me. So the fear of God is not to be afraid of God. Because He invites us into closeness. But lest you think that I'm using friendship... Too loosely. And all of these scriptures, by the way, are in your uh, study guide for this week. 
in James 2.23, the Scripture calls Abraham, and the Scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called, Abraham was called the friend of God. So here's the Bible calling a man a friend. Abraham was called the friend of God. Exodus 33:11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. David is a man after God's own heart. Now, it's kind of funny to me. I always get amused by this. <clears throat> I was uh, standing around with the group Friday afternoon waiting for Jan and Kevin to make the traffic craziness trip from O'Hare to the meeting point at Deer Park. And so I'm wandering around with a camera, you know, taking pictures. And one of the uh, ladies in the motorcycle group came up to me and said, Are you family? And I said, no, actually, uh, I'm, I'm Kevin's pastor, sort of different part, part of his church family. And uh, she said, oh, a man of the cloth. <laughs> and I said, well, yes, I am wearing clothes. <laughs> Aren't you glad? <laughs> no, I didn't say that, but <clears throat> a man of the cloth. I said, well, I guess. But I've tried my whole life to be the unpastor, you know, the uncola. I like to be the unpastor, and uh, I think that really, I think that's why I've done so many crazy, stupid things, you know. Uh, besides the man of the cloth, I'm really going somewhere with this. I'm not on a rabbit trail. I promise. I have a point. One of the reasons that I have reacted in my life to being the preacher, the reverend, I really don't even use that title unless I need to get into a hospital room or somewhere where they won't let ordinary people, you know, then I become extraordinary for a moment and kind of flash my credentials. But anyway... Because people think that there are levels of spiritual attainment and pastors have this special connection. You know, and everybody else has to live on this other level here. And that bothers me. Because Abraham was a businessman in Ur of the Chaldees. Just an ordinary guy when God said to him, hey, I've got some neat plans for you. Follow me. And Moses was trained up to be a political leader, but after he committed murder and fled for his life to the desert of Midian, he became a sheep herder when he met God in a burning bush experience. And David was a young fellow the youngest of the sons of Jesse, out watching sheep. 
when God's anointing came upon him and he ended up being a warrior and then a king. He was never a preacher. Joseph was a leader in Pharaoh's house. The prophets were minding their own business when God called them out of the ordinariness of their lives. The disciples were mending nets and catching fish and collecting taxes. And a couple of them were political rabble-rousers when Jesus said, follow me. In fact, I can't think of very many people in the whole Bible that stand out, that started out as preachers before they got close to God. Now, be careful what happens after you get close to God. (laughs) But they all started out as ordinary people that became the friends of God because they cared about what God cared about. That's why they were His friends. They cared about what He cared about. Who are your friends? They're people that care about what you care about. If they don't care anything about what you're interested in, they're not very good friends. And when Jesus invites us into friendship, He invites anyone and everyone who will come into a relationship with Him and take up His interest. Notice what He says in John 15, three different times, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, because a servant doesn't know what his master's doing. But I have called you friends, because I have told you everything that my father, that I've heard from my father, I've told you about. What is Jesus saying? I'm willing to talk to you. I'm willing to share my heart with you. I'm willing to tell you what I hear from the Father. And if your goals are aligned with mine, that's what it means by doing what I command you. It means you're on the same page with me, you're going the same direction with me. If your goals are aligned with mine, you are my friends. So when I use this word friendship with God, I'm not giving you something that's just in my imagination. There's biblical support throughout the Scripture that God has friends. And I submit to you that what characterizes those friends is there are people who care about what God cares about. Who listen to His goals. Who are interested in His desires who care about how he feels about a thing. I was interested to hear the other day that some Bible-believing person was talking about theology and and then he was talking about, you know, all that's happening with fetal tissue research, stem cell research, and all that kind of stuff. And, And he was going on about, you know, we... We don't want to, to, I mean, we can love people who don't agree with our theology and whatever like that. Listen, I'm all for unconditionally valuing other human beings. 
But I get a little excited in a negative way when I think about scientists in a laboratory messing around with creating living embryos for the purpose of studying their stem cells. I just get aggravated. I don't like that. And you know what? God doesn't like that either. He has feelings about it. God cares about stuff. It's not just, I'm statically uninvolved emotionally in the affairs of men. No, God is invested. He cares. He has feelings. And the friend of God knows how he feels. Good and bad. Heaven rejo- They throw a party when somebody gets saved. Read the Bible. The angels throw a party. They're rejoicing. They got balloons and, and trumpets and, you know, they're having a party up there when people get saved. You think God's not thrilled? God has feelings. And He invites us into His heart if you care to listen. God will reveal to you like Daniel, His plans for the things to come. God told Daniel, Daniel was a, a, a consultant to the king of Babylon. He wasn't a preacher, but he was a man of prayer. And God revealed His heart to him. And Daniel was one of the greatest books of prophecy in Scripture concerning the end times because God told Daniel what was coming down. You know why? Because Daniel listened. He was interested. God reveals His truths to us. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered the heart of man all the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Do you love Him? Are you interested in Him? He has incredible things prepared. He'll tell you about Him if you care to listen. Paul tells us in Ephesians 3.5 that all things pertaining to the mystery of Christ have been revealed to us. In John 15.15, Jesus says, the heart of the Father, the heart of the Father, the will of the Father is revealed. I want to awaken your interest this morning. When you come to the Hebrews chapter 11, that great hall of fame of faith, I want to suggest to you that that chapter merely contains a list of the friends of God. You go back to Abel, who obeyed and sacrificed and sought God appropriately. You go to Enoch. Enoch's an interesting guy. You know, there's only two people in Scripture that didn't die. They just went right on up to heaven. Jesus actually died before he went up to heaven. But Enoch, the scripture says, walked with God. One day they were out for a stroll. You know, they were walking along a path, and then the next step Enoch took wasn't on the ground. And the step after that was a little higher. Before he knew it, they were just strolling off through the galaxies. Him and God. I'd call that close, wouldn't you? That's tight. 
Enoch and God were friends. And one day, God just enjoyed his fellowship so much, they just walked off together. Enoch never came back. Elijah went up in, in, in a flaming chariot with angelic host into the presence of God. Noah was a friend of God. And he could talk to him about his plans. God needed somebody he could say, Noah, I've had it with this race. I'm just done here. But if you'll build a boat, I'll save you and your family. We'll just start over, you and me. We'll just start over together. I'd call that close, wouldn't you? Tight with God. Sarah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. Gideon. Gideon was kind of strange. But Samson and Jephthah were even worse. But, but you know, you read these guys. You know the story of Jephthah? He, was, he, he drove fast and furious. If they had had hot rods in his day, he'd have been driving one. Instead, he just had a fast chariot. He was, but he drove like a fury. He loved speed. God loved him, though. They were together. He did some stupid stuff. But he connected with God in certain important ways. David, a man after God's own heart. Look at all the things David pulled in his life. And yet when David was confronted with his greatest failure, what was his attitude? He didn't say, oh my gosh, I've been caught. He said, oh God, don't take your spirit away from me. Most important thing in my world is fellowship with you. Restore in me a clean heart, O God, and bring me back into communion with you. Many, many more. Even the writer of Hebrews says, time would fail me if I told you of all the people that have been friends with God. And the interesting thing about all that list in Hebrews 11 is, they all died still looking for the promise. But you know what the key is? They were looking for a promise. They had heard from God, a Messiah's coming, a Redeemer's coming, and they were looking for that day. And part of the friends of God today, part of the thing that characterizes them, is they're looking for the glory of the kingdom to be fully realized on this earth. They're looking for Jesus. They're looking for His return. It's hard to be a friend of God and be totally caught up in the present. There's got to be a part of you that is hungering for the day when Jesus stands on this earth, King of kings and Lord of lords, and when He is filled with glory and fills the earth with His glory, and, and the saints have been gathered up into that eternal kingdom, and we are reigning together with Him. There's got to be a part of you that's longing and hungering for that day when we are united with the bridegroom, the bride of Christ, and we dance with the Son of God on the streets that are golden. I'm looking forward to that. I don't dance so good here. But I'm looking forward to being an absolute fool when I get into the presence of God and I can dance. I'll be lighter on my feet with a resurrected body, I'm sure. I want to dance. I, I, want to, I want to just be lost in the wonder of being face to face with my Lord. And if you're a friend of God, there's got to be some of that longing in you. 
that I'm not totally at home here. Because this is not home. Home is somewhere else where Jesus is, where my heart is. Because I'm fixed on him. This morning I want to encourage you. Friendship with God is not reserved for preachers and priests. Friendship with God isn't reserved for those weird Bible characters. Friendship with God is available to anyone who will take the time to walk with God. Anyone who will take the time to listen. Friendship with God is available to anyone who will spend time with God just hanging out and saying, God, what is on your heart? You say, how will I know when God's talking to me? How will I know? How will I know when, when he's starting to share his heart with me? You know what? God, God knows how to do that. You don't have to worry about that. All you have to do is, is genuinely from your heart say, Lord, I'm interested in you. I'm glad you're interested in me. I'm glad you care about what I eat, what I wear, how I'm going to pay my bills. I'm glad you care about that. I know you care about that. You've already demonstrated your friendship to me. But I want you to know I care about what you care about. I want to know what's on your heart. I want to listen to you. And I want to get on the same page with you. I want to walk with you. How can two walk together unless they're in agreement? I want to walk with you. I want to be on your team. I want to be with you. And if you have that heart attitude, God will take you into his friendship and tell you the things that he has on his heart. Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the possibilities that this holds out for us. That you created us for fellowship. And you have restored us to that possibility in Jesus Christ. And now the invitation is open. Will we be the friend of God? Will we walk with you? Will we listen to you? Will we become your partner in accomplishing your goals for this planet. Father, I want to pray this morning that you would right now go through this audience and touch the hearts of those who are inclined toward you in this way right now and give them assurance that you're more interested in being their friend even than they are in being yours. That you are more than willing to cross the gap and and join their hand if they'll only open their life to your interest. And that you'll walk with them in intimacy and closeness and become friends with them. Lord, I ask you to create those bonds right now this morning. People that never even thought it possible.
to relate to you this way. Draw them close right now. Thank you for doing this. Through Jesus Christ our Lord.